you have your Bible, I invite you to Jeremiah chapter 18. And in Jeremiah chapter 18, we're going to consider some things that are happening in this passage. I believe God will help us today. And I think by the end, He will help encourage us and point us in the way that He would want us to go. And we'll be able to draw from this some things that are very important and I think very applicable. So you may or may not be wide awake today, but I believe God's going to be able to help us and speak to all of us, no matter how wide awake you may or may not be on this morning. When I was uh, younger in my ministry, uh, there was a family from the church who was involved in a very unfortunate auto accident. Uh, There were casualties in that wreck, and uh, it really impacted me. It really affected me as a pastor and as a minister to help out with funeral and all of that. And one thing I did along the way, which probably wasn't all that good, but it did help me. It was a little bit cathartic. I ended up going over to the salvage yard, to the junkyard, and I saw the car that they had been traveling in whenever the wreck had happened. It was smashed to smithereens. It, it was really, it was a compact car, and it was just so, so smashed up. It was unbelievable. And a few weeks passed, and I went back over there. I was continuing to adjust to the way I was processing grief. I was having to be so strong for so many people and a young guy. And so just trying to help them out, but yet trying to process how I felt about things. I went over to the, to the junkyard, and when I got there, I was, I was looking for the car, and I couldn't find it. And um, finally, I went over to the guy that ran the place, and I said, Where, where's that car? He knew who I was, and he didn't say much. He just kind of pointed and said, there. I looked over there, and there were some cars that they had been restoring, and among those cars was this car. It was already being put back together in an unusual way. As a matter of fact, it was going to be pretty well road-worthy pretty soon. Oh, it would have an R title because it had been wrecked so badly. I couldn't even believe that they would be able to restore that car because it had been smashed so badly. Unbelievable. How many of you have a cell phone? You don't have to get it out, but you may. I have mine out. I mean, you, you have a cell phone, right? And so if you have a, a smartphone like this one, I don't know if you have a dumb phone if this will work, but <laughs> if you have a smartphone like this one, uh, this might work. And the thing about it is I, I am directionally challenged I'm not just saying that because where I come from, they build roads north-south, east-west. I come out here and you build them as the cows created them. And that does not mean north-south, east-west. You can go any direction in any, am I right? You know I'm right. And so (coughs) I will say this thing. Let's say that I want to go to Longhorn. Anybody getting hungry now? Let's say, man. (laughs) Say I want to go over to Longhorn. So I tell this thing to take me to Longhorn. Well, it's going to take me over here to the drive by the flagpole, right? And it's going to say take a right turn onto Blue Mountain Drive. You tracking so far? But if we end up making a turn left at the light down here, pretty soon it's going to have to, it's going to, have to recalibrate. It's going to have that little spinny thing may come on it, right? It's going to start talking to us. One thing I think is really amazing about this, it never yells at me. Never once has it called me a name. You dumb nut, you turn left. It has never done something like that. It has told me to turn around. Yes, it has. It's gotten smart and right up in my grill said, turn around. I kept saying, turn. it'll just keep taking you until it gets you where you go. If you understand what I've just said in those two illustrations, you understand the message today. Because what we're going to do is we're going to see Jeremiah. The scripture said, God speaks to him. He's a prophet in the Old Testament. He speaks to him and he says, I want you to go down to the potter's house. In other words, I want you to go down to the pottery shop. So if he's saying, I want you to go down, he's probably up at the temple. You go up to the temple, so he's probably at the temple. And God says, I want you to go down. Now, at this lesson, God is going to teach him in a different way. The way that he is going to teach him 
he is, he's not going to just give him a word that he's going to go share with everybody right out loud. No, he's going to show him a message. And the way he's going to show him this message is going to be so easily understood that even Jeremiah can get it. And then he's going to go talk to the people about what he has seen. So God has him go down to the potter shop. And when he goes in there, he's going to see some things that are happening. So let's consider several things that occur while he's at the potter shop. First off, he sees the clay. Now, I grew up in Missouri, and growing up there in the particular area where I was, they had a lot of farms out. I grew up in town, but they had a lot of farms out and around. We had cities here and there. But you could see miles and miles of corn or wheat or whatever they were growing. You could do that. But where I grew up, they had a lot of clay pits. They would dig into the earth, and they would dig and mine clay. Here, you've had a lot of coal or slate, but there it was clay. Now, my father was supervisor over a research department for the fire brick company that made a lot of the clay uh, into bricks or into whatever they were looking to make it into. They would make brick to the temperature and the consistency that you could launch a space shuttle from it, and they would ship brick around the world. So it was a big deal. But going all over the town or out in the community into the country, you could see these clay pits. But because my dad was a supervisor over this research department, I was able to go in with him, and I could see inside the kilns, and they had these these different templates that were being fired up. And you could actually smell the clay as it was in that place. You see, whenever Jeremiah goes in, I think that he sees several things. I think he sees clay that has yet to be formed. I can imagine that he saw clay that was already formed and just about ready to be put into the kiln, into the fire. And it's going to be finalized there. But he also sees something else. He sees in this moment that the potter is going to be working with some clay as well. You know, the Bible says something very interesting about you and me. It says that we are all made of clay. As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, it says to us there that God took from the earth and he formed Adam. And then from his rib, he formed Eve. So you can nudge your neighbor and say, you look dirty today. Go ahead and do it. You look dirty today. And so the scripture goes ahead and talks about some other things. Now that it has made us aware that we're made out of dirt, it's made us aware of some other things. It tells us that we all have a propensity to sin. As a matter of fact, we're born with a nature that sins. And so when we do that, we need help to be made right with God. We need a Savior. And that's where Jesus Christ comes in. Jesus Christ is our Savior. He is the one who died on the cross. He's the one who rose from the dead. And he's the one who will forgive anyone who comes to him and calls on his name. That is the good news. The Savior is for everyone. And he's for you and he's for me today. And the beautiful thing is he works patiently with us. The potter's going to work really patiently with this clay. And as he does that, he sees something other people don't see. He may have a blueprint laying there of what he's going to make or what she's going to make. Or possibly it's just in the head, in the mind. I know what I want to make out of this person, so the potter begins to make this out of this person. And he sees something beautiful. Other people around you maybe have devalued you. They maybe have said you don't really have much worth. They may see and know your flaws. You may look in the mirror and remind yourself of all of your flaws. But I want to tell you something. You probably ought to look in the mirror as God does. He looks at you and he says, I see someone that I have made. I see someone who has great worth. That person is a masterpiece. And he likes you, and he loves you, and he cares about you today. Can I get a witness in the house? And that's your God. Jenny Oleksiak uh, looked up 
the, uh, the most decorated Olympian in Canada. She looked it up. She Googled it. And when she did, her name popped up. She said, in response to seeing that, she said, I wanted to thank my high school teacher who told me to stop swimming to focus on school because swimming wouldn't get me anywhere. Then she said, holding up her medal, this is what dreams are made of. I want to say to you that you may be wearing some kind of label around here, but you don't have to because our God calls you redeemed, forgiven, his son, his daughter. He loves you. He's crazy about you. Can I get a witness in the house today? And being made of this, God knows our value. Now, if I have a $100 bill and I ask you, what's this worth? How much would you say it was worth? Yes. If we took it out here and I poured water over it and I brought it back in here and said, how much is this worth? Even though it's wet, how much would it be worth, class? If I took it out here and rubbed it in the dirt and watered it down and brought it back in here and folded it up in front of you and then held it up and I would say, how much is this worth? How much would it be worth to you? $100. And I believe that's what God does. He looks at us sometimes with our mess, sometimes our mess ups, sometimes our hurts, habits, hang ups, as the cliche says, and he sees those things and he sees the value that he has placed within us. We're not supposed to judge each other by our race. We're not supposed to judge each other by our finances. We're not supposed to judge each other by all of those little things that Americans are really good at judging each other by. You know the petty games you play. You know the labels you give. You know the labels have been stuck on you. You don't want to be known by that. And I want to say something very blunt in a Christian community. If you're ready to receive it, say yes. Here it is. We need to hear it among our churches today. We must celebrate the things we have in common rather than divide over the few differences that we have. We need to start celebrating those things we have in common as a church. We need to not, and when I say church, I mean in general. We need to quit picking about this group feels this way and that group feels that way. That day is over, friend. You need to watch the news. We're in some real war times. We're in some real unusual times. We need to be counted on as Christians and followers of Christ. Richard Wormbrand was in prison. He said, I saw some people that were different than me. He said, I saw a Catholic priest. And I didn't like the Catholics. But he said, I saw this guy being persecuted and the soldier walking on his back and trying to get him to deny the name of Jesus. And he said he had those clawed shoes that dug into the guy's back. And he said, I realized something. Me and my piousness there in the prison cell, this priest in his piousness laying on the ground, he had more Jesus in him than I did. I'm not sure I could have let them do that to me. I'm not saying everybody everywhere is right, but I am saying it's a time in the Christian community that we quit shooting our own soldiers and that we begin to encourage one another and to quit picking over stuff that doesn't even matter sometimes. And we begin to encourage and lift up and help one another. It's time for us to mend up somebody instead of pushing them down again. The world is hurting. I'm talking to people that are hurting and dying every week. And I get calls and phone calls and texts and emails and different things at the office. And I'll tell you what. If you haven't run into anybody that's hurting, why don't you just sit down beside me? I'll turn it on speaker sometime. No, I won't. But I will let you in on some of the conversations some of the other pastors and myself will get in on. There are a lot of hurting people, and a lot of them don't even go to our church. The world is hurting, and the people around us are hurting. We must be Christ to them. The ancient poem puts it this way. Lord, make me an instrument 
of thy peace. Where there is hatred, let me show love, sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. You go walk into a conversation, you're going to hear them blasting away about Afghanistan, about the government, about what Biden should and shouldn't do. And we all have our opinions, and I guarantee you, I have mine. <laughs> I'm not without opinion. But I've walked into some places this week that I could tell the atmosphere when I walked in was, was off. I was praying and asking the Holy Spirit to guide me into those places and to shine the light. Before it was over, I was saying, hello, how are you? It's a beautiful day. We're alive. Man, just keep looking up. God has something for us. And even in places where it was very secular, and I was still trying to encourage them in the faith, you are a light, and you have the opportunity to be light whenever our world is absolutely disastrous right now. And we're in a time still with all the COVID goofball stuff that's happening, when it is happening, and we've received call after call of people that are very sick. And so we want to say, be the light, and shine light into people. And he sees the clay as having value. And I notice something else. Verse 3 says, he looks at the potter. He's not just looking at the clay. And when he looks at the potter, notice what happened. I saw him working on the wheel, your Bible says. He's working on a design. In this moment, the potter is doing something very meaningful. He can reach every nation. He's saying to Jeremiah, I love Israel, even though Israel turned his back on me, has not put me as center, is going the wrong way. He says, I still love Israel. And he's also saying to the individual, I still love you. I love every individual, whoever you are. He says, I still love you. And he reaches out with love to every one of us. Aren't you glad for that today? I'm so glad because I've needed that in my life. I need that even now. And he looks at all of us. And when I look at the Lord, I see Christ on the cross for a minute. And when I see him on the cross, I realize that's a love expression to you and to me. And then I see the empty tomb. And I see that he's not there. And I thank the Lord for that. And I realize that he did all this for us, that we might have life, and that we might have life more abundant. He wants you to win today, friend. He wants you to win. He reveals his work in us as he's working every day in your life, every day in my life to bring something about in our life that will be next level, to bring about an influence. It's more than just us getting a promotion or getting an attaboy or a pat on the back. He wants us to be able to grow and to be developed in him. And 1 Peter 2 and 9 puts it this way, you are God's very own possession. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And the other day I stopped in a turkey hill over at Slatington and I stood there in line waiting just for a couple of minutes, and I thought, I wonder how many of these people know Jesus, and I wonder how many of them have ever heard the gospel, and I wonder, will, will they be in heaven with me one day? And I've been trying to, to reach them. I go to the same places very often so I can find out what's going on there and how to be a light into that area, and I've been able to reach into some of their lives, and some of them ask me to pray for them, and some of them tell me their burdens. And by now I can look at the countenance and see when they're hurting or not. If you go in a few times, you can see that kind of thing. Where are you going in? What difference are you making? Are you shining your light somewhere for Jesus? And the potter polishes up our lives. One thing about this is he wants to bring about a sanctification for us. Sanctification means, in this case, set apart for a holy purpose. In other words, God's made each one of us 
unique, and he wants each one of us to have an influence and an impact for him that will make a difference. Now, if you're wearing a shoe, say yes. Are y'all barefoot? <laughs> you bunch of people. <laughs> Take off your shoe, would you? <clears throat> All right, you got your shoe there. You may not want to touch it, but I'm touching mine. Now, if I had Pastor Scott come up here and put on my shoe, he'd say, Kev, this thing doesn't feel right. This shoe is messed with. This is old. If I had you come up here and put on my shoe, well, you'd probably say, it's, it, I got to smell it first. And, it, <laughs> and uh, Christian would probably say, no, nah, it's all right. I, it might work. But look at this. You see right along there, I tend to walk duck feet, and I have, you know, got my heel down first, right? That's how I hit, right? How do you hit? You know, how you, same way? Same way? Welcome to the duck world. And so here we go. Now, inside it forms to us, and, you know, I've heard a podiatrist say that you're only supposed to wear your shoes six months and then throw them away. Don't show in my closet. I might wear more the longer than that. But... Um, those shoes are sanctified to my foot. You got on glasses. I dare to say that if I took my glasses off and gave them to you, you'd have a hard time seeing out of them. These are progressive lenses. <laughs> I need them to see you. I can't see you if I don't have them on, but if I gave them to you, probably wouldn't work because my glasses are sanctified to my eyes. One of my pupils in a little bit, so it's got to be, you know, figured out. And it's all wing, 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 and it works. So... They're sanctified to me. And that is what the potter wants to do with you as his image. He sanctifies you to himself for his holy purpose. He makes you and develops you. And that's why sometimes he takes things out of your life that should not be there. Lumps of clay, bubbles in the clay. And it hurts when he starts pointing them out. And we don't like it. Have you ever heard somebody criticize a preacher when you go home for lunch? If you have, don't say yes. Yes, you have. And sometimes you know why they get mad at the preacher and why they criticize and don't want to go to Bethany? Not always, not always. God calls us a different place, but not always. But you know why sometimes it is? Because they're under conviction of the Holy Spirit who has pointed out stuff and they don't like it and they hate that preacher. It's so fun to watch God change lives. He'll take that claw out, he'll, he'll take out that, that, that bubble, and he'll get it all back in the way it ought to go. He'll patch it all up and get it going like it's supposed to go. If you're tracking with me, please just nod your head. I won't know if you're asleep or not. Just nod your head. Yes, you're tracking with me, so you see what I'm saying here today. 1 Thessalonians, Paul puts it this way in chapter 5. May, the, may God himself, the God of peace, who has your best interests in mind, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. Not just part of the lens, but all the way through the lens. Not just part of the shoe, all the way through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in a very polluted world, it's hard to remain pure. It's hard to remain sanctified. But that's the goal. He wants us to keep being willing to be used by Him. God has given each one of us a variety of spiritual gifts. And as He gives us those gifts, we're supposed to use them. Because they're made, and the world needs them, and this church needs them, and the community needs them, and you need them. And right now, we can reach out into other people's lives, and we can use those gifts that we have, those graces. Norm and Lorraine Gundrum, wonderful members of our congregation, they were here before I ever got here. And they use their gifts and their abilities in beautiful and meaningful ways. 
Norm is a very busy realtor when I first moved here. Still is a realtor, and he can help you out with that buying and selling. Lorraine, when I first moved here, she worked at one of the doctor's clinics. I know because I went there. And the, the doctors have somebody that works between them and all the staff, the nurses and everybody else. And she was that person that oversaw that office. Very intelligent couple, very capable. But when I first came here, I lived up the street there. My family did. We lived up the street in a little parsonage over there. And, and we got there, and things were still being renovated and restored. And I look up one evening, and there's Lorraine. And she starts telling us about what's happened here and what's happened there and, and what they're going to be finishing up and stuff like that. I'm thinking, man, who is this person? She is incredible. And then I continued to watch as she helped out in so many ways around the church. And then whenever she was able to leave her job there and come over here and oversee our insurance at the church and oversee our contact we would make with lawyers and legal stuff we have to do and to help Ken Everett as a right-hand person in the construction of this building here, and Norm, we would have staff members move here, and he'd help them buy a house and settle on that. And I remember staff members calling me up and said, man, alive, I thought somebody was in my basement. <laughs> and I went down there, and I look, and there's Norm. He's down there fixing something in my basement because he said, I don't want your family to put up with that pipe that's in here. And he would fix that. Or somebody called me one day and said, yeah, out, look outside, and there's a fence up. We talked about putting up a fence, and Norm came over and just put up a fence. He found one somewhere and put it up, and it looks great. And we're so That's who they are. Made coffee for years and decades. They use their gifts and graces. And you know what I know? People sitting all around you have chosen to do that, and that's the strength and backbone of this church as we look to God and say, you can use me any way you want. Whether we're working a job and coming in here, there's a lot of volunteer, and that's kind of what our huddle's about today is about just letting God use us and use us all together. Lorraine, thank you, and she's playing in the instruments today. Thank you for your work among us. Then I want to look at the reshaped clay. And as we look at this reshaped clay, we notice in verse 4 through the rest of this passage we're looking at today, about verse 10 or so, we see that the potter found a flaw and he wants to do something about it. Look at verse 4 of your passage. But the pot he was shaping from clay was marred in his hands. So what's he going to do? He going to toss it out on a pile? No, I don't think so. So the potter formed it into another pot. If you've done pottery before, you know that you want to make that clay back into something, put a little more water on it, a little bit will help it out, and you can reshape it. You don't have to throw it out. A little too thick here or a little too thin there or something. Now it's time to reshape it. And he shaped it into what seemed best to him. If you'll say, God, I don't know what to do with my life. I don't know where to go with this decision. I don't know how to handle this situation. I give myself to you. Then look what happens, verse 5. Then the word of the Lord came to me in verse 6 now. And he said, can I not do this with you, Israel? And I look at that passage and I'm thinking, wow, can I not do this with you, United States? You're so messed up. You so need Jesus. And God is saying, could I not do this with you? As this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you. And you can put your name in here. So are you in my hand. And we say, Lord, have your way in my life. Whatever you have in mind for me, I am yours. Do whatever. God can redevelop us. Some of you like to watch football. Some of you play football. I understand we had some people win in Northampton the other day and over here at Palmerton the other day. So congratulations to you guys. But some of you follow football, and you'll remember the name William the Refrigerator Perry. 
big dude. Remember him? He was big and wide, and therefore he got the name. He earned it, and he was proud of it, the refrigerator. So whenever they would come on and they'd just talk about the refrigerator, you knew who they were talking about when they were talking sports with him. And he was a big dude, and he was a real known uh, name among the households of those that follow football. But you know what? He had a fear. He was afraid of going to the dentist. And he was so afraid of going to the dentist that his gums became so badly infected. They finally hurt him so bad after 20 years of wrestling with that. He went to the dentist, and they had to remove whatever was there, and they had to let his body heal up from all the stuff. And later on, they were able to do for him what he needed as he got his, his new dentures. And he said it this way. He said, it's unbelievable, and I love them. I just got tired of my mouth hurting all the time. God can make us brand new again. This is the type of stuff that happens. Look at verses 4 through 6 of this passage here. The potter makes a pot again. He makes it for a purpose that is new, for a possibility that hasn't yet been experienced. He removes the lumps. He removes the clay. But I notice something else. Look at verse 7 and verse 8 and verse 9 and verse 10. There is a little word that appears in all four of those places. It is a little word, I-F, if. Did you notice that? If. In the reading of that, you don't want to go by the word if, because if means there's a condition. Condition of something. So the condition is, will the clay allow itself to be molded by the potter? Will the clay allow itself to be molded by the potter? That's your decision. That's your will. That's the will of the nation. We have to make our own decision as to what we will do. God is a gentleman. He will not force himself in this way in this time. But if we will allow him to, he will make us new from the inside out. I've seen people throughout my ministry get transformed People that were arrogant and thought they had it all together and didn't know if they needed God, but they ended up opening their heart and saying, okay, what can you do? Here I am. And eventually they said, God. And you see their life change from the inside out. I've seen people that have been down and out, people that everybody would say needed Jesus. But I've seen those lives get changed and transformed and all kinds of people in between be able to be transformed from the inside out by the renewing of their mind and spirit. This is what the Lord does. And he can do this to you. There's a metaphor in a Japanese language called sentsugi. Sentsugi. I'll say it right after a while. But it means something. And what it means is, very simply, I'm embracing your flaws. When a pot is broken that has already been made through the fire, you can't put it back in the fire like you could the lump of clay. So what are you going to do with that? Here's what they do. They get the lacquer. They put the pieces back in place. They get the lacquer. And then they get gold or they get silver or they get some sort of platinum. And with that lacquer, they mix it in. And then they begin to weld it all back together, if you will, just kind of brushing it around that bowl, brushing it around that pot or that vase to be able to make it into something good again. And what it is saying is this. When something is broken, its value is increased. It is not diminished. I want to get up into your kitchen just for a moment. If you'll let me in, please say yes. Here, here we go. Some of you have been delivered from some stuff, and you have been set free from some stuff. You, you don't want to tell everybody all of those things. I get that. But some of you have hidden your life so much under a bushel that everybody sitting around you looks at you, and they think that you're prim, proper, and perfect. And then they don't know if they can get redeemed. They don't know if there's any hope for them when they go to the potter. Can I be made new? 
because you've been so perfect. What would happen if we peel back just a little bit of the bushel once in a while and say, let me tell you what my Jesus did for me. I was lost, but he found me. I was broken, and he put me back together. I didn't always know how to do what I know how to do now. I wasn't always this way, but God has done something in my life. My friend, if we would let something like that happen, I wonder what could happen among our communities and in our nation if the church would quit being stilted but allow itself to be real and transparent enough to let other people know what's going on. His power can make us what we ought to be. My wife's going to sing a song by evangelist Chuck Milhuff, the Nazarene evangelist, and this talks about what I've been talking about. It uses another image. You have a paintbrush, and you have a canvas, and you're painting your life story. Or will you let someone else paint it? My life started out like a canvas And God started painting on me But I took the paintbrush from Jesus And I painted what I to see the colors I painted kept running the objects were all out of size I had made such a mess of my painting Jesus, the brush 
has your brush? Does he have it? Or do you have it? Father, across this auditorium today, you see us as we are. All the clods that are there clumped up, not doing so well, and the bubbles of life that just really aren't adding value to anything. Thank you that you still see value in us and you can make something beautiful out of what we maybe have have done. Today, Lord, we call on you and just ask that you would hear our prayer across the room and across the the miles of the online service today to wherever you're ministering in the heart of someone right now. We love you. We thank you for your tender embrace and your tender work among us. We need you. We must have you. With you, we can make it. So, Lord, protect over us now and hear our prayer. Hear those that are confessing anything that needs to be confessed. And hear those that, dear Lord, are looking to you and just saying, is there hope still? Shattered pieces, dreams that went wrong. And help us not to be morbid in this moment, but to be moved, to be transformed by you. We say mold us, reshape us, redirect us, recompute us, repaint us. For your honor and your glory today, we pray this in the name of our loving Savior. All God's people said... Amen.